All right, Degenerates, I'm here once again, and uh, I am joined this week by friend of the show, Steve. He was with us a few times last year, and uh, we're happy to have you back, Steve. How you doing? Good, good. Glad to be back for the season to start. Yeah, it's getting close now. Yep. What, three weeks, I think? A little over three weeks? Yeah, something like that. It's perfect. Uh, we're going to be drafting uh, a little more than a week from now. The Daydreaming Degenerates will have their draft. Um, you still doing your homework, or you think you're ready to go? I've been ready to go since March. <laughs> All right. So uh, tonight we're going to be talking about some draft strategies. We're going to be talking about some players we like, some players we don't. And we're going to be talking about some of our late round sleepers. Some of the guys we're targeting really late. And uh, yeah, I mean, fuck it. Let's just get right into it. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you give us a player that you think is being drafted a, a, a little too high or a little too low? Number one player right now that's being drafted way too high is uh, Ceh. He's going in a lot of mocks um, in the last week, like in the first round in the top five picks, which. Uh, for a running back in an Andy Reid offense, maybe in the second year, I could see. But uh, just because Damian Williams is out for the season, I still think that's way too high to waste your first-round pick on on a running back that, coming out of college, looks really good, but has not played a snap in the NFL. Maybe late second or third, but not not top five in the first round. Yeah, I I did a I did a mock earlier today where Clyde Edwards-Helaire went fourth overall before Alvin Kamara or Michael Thomas. I think that's fucking insane, and I knew he was going to skyrocket when Williams opted out. But I mean, top five—that's nuts. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah, I've he's been going any. The only thing I haven't seen him go yet is first overall. I've had him in the second spot. I've had him in in the third and all the way up. So. Uh, it's it's just crazy. Like I said, late second I could see, or early third, but I I just think that's way too high. Yeah, I I think that's going to be a bigger split than people think. You know, I think everybody just assumes he's the guy and he's going to get all the work and he's going to be super good and he's going to catch seventy passes and I I just you know they they signed pass catching backs. He's not the only pass catching back on the team. No, they have like fifteen running backs. <laughs> 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 I mean, so you you have Daryl Williams, you have Damian Williams, both who have been there. Darwin Thompson, who's been there, all know the scheme. They're all pass catching backs. Um, DeAndre Washington is the only one really who's not primarily a pass catching back. So I could see a split with him to start, but uh, I mean, at some point, I completely agree that uh, Hilaire is going to take over, but. You really want to waste your top five pick on a running back that may split carries and may may only have 20 or 30 catches this year? Aside from the fact that um, their right guard, who is a Pro Bowl right guard, fantastic in the running game, is not playing. So that severely is going to affect the running game because he opted out because of COVID. So plus, what if the guy gets sick? I mean, at least with your your picks with Saquon, with Zeke, with Kamara, with McCaffrey, or even with Dalvin Cook, you got a pretty good background to base your decision on. It just, I don't know. I just think it's crazy. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, with those players, there's a nice, safe floor built into it, you know? There's no question about Alvin Kamara's workload, you know? <laughs> like, you're not worried about Latavius Murray stealing snaps from Alvin Kamara, you know? Yeah, well, if you look at uh, where where's Taylor going, Taylor's going in, the, like, the fourth round, early in the fourth, which is adequate, really, where a rookie running back should be going. I mean, even when Saquon first came out, he was going in the, the second to third rounds. He wasn't a top three pick in a lot of drafts. You know, when you got closer to the season, they had good camp. They had um, pre preseason games. You could see the guy play. He went up, and he went up, and he went up. So by September, the week before, you were you were seeing him in the first round. But he panned out. Yeah. They haven't even played a game yet. They're barely practicing. So I, I don't know. I think it's real risky to be to be picking a rookie that early, and uh, when you don't even know how he's going to perform in an NFL system. Yeah, and I mean, really, you could argue that Jonathan Taylor is a more talented back. I, I would argue that as well, and I it could be potentially in a better landing spot with a better offense. Uh, de- I mean, definitely a better offensive line. Right. So, because I mean, Mahomes is going to be Mahomes. They're going to pass the ball. I don't. You know, passing down work, I think he's going to be fine. But as far as running game, I, I think Taylor probably has a better landing spot this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, I you know I said it before and I'll say it again. I'm, I'm not going to own Clyde Edwards-Hilaire anywhere because he's just being drafted too high. Yeah, no, he's absolutely too high. So who do you have uh, for one of your picks, Brian? For my first selection, I'm actually going to do a combo. I got two guys. One's going too high. One's going too low. And they're on the same team. I got Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. So, I mean, Cooper was undoubtedly the number one receiver on the Cowboys last year. Or was he? Because the reality is a lot muddier than most people think. And, I mean, Amari Cooper received 20.7% of the targets last year, hauling in 79 receptions for 1,189 yards. That's respectable. That's good. That's really good. However, Michael Gallup received 19.6% of the targets, and he had a stat line of 66 receptions for 1,107 yards. Cooper had 211 yards after catch, while Gallup had 314. Cooper had 15.1 yards per reception. Gallup had 16.8. All of this is being taken into consideration with the fact that Gallup missed two games last year, and Cooper played all 16. I think the gap is a lot closer than people want to admit. This could easily be a 1A, 1B situation, like we've all seen on other teams with talented duos. I think that this wide receiver is a lot closer to being Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, but the players are being drafted like it's Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. And I just don't understand it. You know, I mean, Cooper is going wide receiver 10, Gallup's going wide receiver 33. And it's not just my opinion, um, and by now I'm sure everybody's heard this, but uh, Mike McCarthy was asked about Michael Gallup uh, being a solid number two. And he responded by saying, let's make it clear, Michael Gallup's a number one receiver in my view. I think we're very fortunate to have three players with that level of potential to go out and play at that level. I've been so impressed, not only with Michael's done on film last year, He was definitely one of the players that really jumped off the video during the offseason study because I don't know a whole lot about Michael until last year. He's primed to take the next step. That's his head coach. 
Mike McCarthy's telling you he's going to have a bigger role. <laughs> That's also Mike McCarthy who had, what, Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, and uh, Devontae Adams on this team at the same time and used all three. Yeah. And, and you had like three top 20 wide receivers on the same team. So it's po- it's very possible. I mean, really the difference between Cooper last year, aside from he's Cooper and all his uh, points came in like four games, um, he had two more touchdowns in Gallup and like 13 more receptions. Roughly the same target share. Um, Gallup's a much more efficient receiver. So I would have to agree with you as far as I think Cooper being drafted where he's at. It's a little high. I mean, he goes early in the fourth. Um, I I would say probably late in the fourth. I I, personally, he goes around the same place as uh, DJ Moore, Cooper Cup, Ridley, Juju, um, even Metcalf or or Robert Woods. I, I would rather have any of them over Amari Cooper just simply because he is not a consistent wide receiver one. You have games last year where he completely disappeared. You you have a 4.8-point game. You have a 1.3-point game. Um, He missed one game against New England due to injury. But he had six games where he didn't even score seven points. So, to me, that's very hard to justify spending a pick that high. And he only had three games where he scored 20 or more points. So I'm looking at standard. I'm sorry. Um, he had the two games where he had over 30 points, uh, one almost 40 yeah. in PPR, which is great. But that's two games, and you have a lot more uh, that you're starting him because you're going to start him every game that you're going to be disappointed in Amari Cooper. So I I think when you're looking at you're, you know, you're probably the wide receiver two on your team, or even in some cases a wide receiver one, if you're able to go with, you know, two running backs and a tight end or something like that, or you had a quarterback early. You don't want that for your number one receiver. You, you need something that's, you need somebody that's going to be consistent and put up to big games, but you need that at least 15 points every week. Yeah. To me, you're wasting you're wasting a pick that could be used on somebody a lot better. I mean, the upside's definitely there, but the floor is so low that it, it's, it gets to be the point where to me, that's a wide receiver two on your team. I guess if you're going to pair him up with somebody like Julio or Michael Thomas, where, where it's your number two receiver. Yeah, maybe, but uh, I think you can find somebody better uh, in those picks and, and wait till the fifth round. Yeah, and that, that's really my point is, you know, I mean, he's he's going in the second round, and I just, I think in the second round, you, you have guys that are going to give you more consistent play. Uh, they may not finish with the season totals that Amari Cooper is going to get, but, you know, Amari, it feels like Amari Cooper gets half of his season in two games, and, you know, where he fucking catches 500 yards in two games. And then the rest of the season, he's mediocre at best. And it's like, but, and then at the end of the season, like, oh, he's the right, he's the wide receiver 10. And it's like, well, no, he really wasn't though, because you know, weeks four through 12, he only gave me six fucking points a week, you know? (laughs) Yeah, no. And that's, 
uh, Gallup had one game. He had one one point six points. <clears throat> he had one game at six points. The rest of his games were eight points or higher. Yeah. And like you said, he missed two games early in the season. So I, I think if you're take if you want a piece of the Cowboys offense, um, that you wait two rounds, wait three rounds, take Michael Gallup and, and grab somebody else in between there. It, to me, it makes more sense. You got a much better floor, and you still have the same upside. I mean, Gallup can go off and get you 25, 30 points. I mean, Cooper's maybe going to get you, what, an extra 10? But do you really want to wait 15 games to get that? Yeah. And, I mean, you know, when you draft Amari Cooper, you know, there are going – there's going to be one, two, maybe three weeks where he is single-handedly going to win you that week. That's a fact. But there's also going to be a lot of weeks where you're looking at your roster going, why the fuck isn't he doing anything? You know? <laughs> and that's that's not who I want in the second round. No. No, absolutely not. And um, I'll tell you right now, if I have my way, I don't leave any drafts without Michael Gallup. The value is too good. I'm willing to reach for him because I think he's going more than a round too late. And... You know, I think right now his ADP is uh, uh, like the middle of the seventh. Like, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's way too low. So I will easily, I'll reach for him. He's going, in a lot of mine, he's going late sixth. But, yeah, right around that. Anywhere early in the sixth round. Because, I mean, he's going with, he's going with guys like Hollywood Brown, um, T.Y. Hilton, Lockett. Devontae Parker, Edelman, mm-hmm. Stefan Diggs, you know, right in that range. And uh yeah, I I probably would take Gallup over at least half of that group just because of the consistency. You you, you can figure you're gonna get eight points every week out of Gallup. Yeah. I, I'd rather have that than have these guys disappear. Yeah, I'm 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 looking at his ADP right now and yeah, fantasy pros has him ranked seventy four, ESPN seventy nine. Uh, RT Sports 81, uh, Fantrax 76. Uh, every single site has him mid to late seventh round. It's that's crazy. I mean, like you said, you look at the players going around him. The only player that's that's in the same range as Gallup um, in a lot of drafts, he's going a couple of picks later that I would probably take if Gallup was gone, um, or that I might consider taking ahead of him would be Landry. That's probably the only player that has more consistency and a little bit better floor um, than Gallup in that in that range. Yeah. Well, ESPN has uh, Jarvis Landry at 59, so he's actually going a full two rounds earlier. Okay. In ESPN. Uh, right. Yeah. Fantasy Pros has him 68, so in, in Fantasy Pros, they are relatively close. Yeah, ESPN just started drafting, though, really in the last couple of weeks so I, i'm i look at most of my rankings either through sleeper or fantasy pros where they've been tracking um, quite a bit longer than espn but mm-hmm. that that should pick up and they should level out in the next probably the next week or two because there's so many people now that are drafting this weekend next weekend and leading up into the season now that we know we'll have one yep all right well i mean that's my uh that's my cooper and gallup take uh Steve, why don't you give us your next player? So my next player kind of plays into the same thing with Cooper. It's A.J. Green. Um, 
he's going in the fourth round, the fifth round. I don't know. I, I know what the guy is when he's healthy. He's a top five, top six wide receiver. But you have a new quarterback. The guy can't stay healthy. He's already hurt again. He's got a hamstring issue. So we're in August. He didn't play last year. The year before that, he was plagued by turf toe. And now the guy's got a hamstring issue. You're going to spend a, a mid, you know, a four, fifth, sixth round pick on a guy that you're going to get maybe, if you're lucky, get half the season out of. That's if you're lucky. It's just he's a fantastic receiver on the field. The problem is, is he can't stay on the field anymore. So uh, he's another one that I'm avoiding just simply because you can't rely on the fact that you know your wide receiver two, your wide receiver three won't even be on the field half the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm fully on board. Uh, you know, I try to avoid those real injury guys. You know, I mean, every now and then they turn their injury history around and it bites me in the ass. I could have had Delvin Cook last year. I looked at him. I looked. He he'd only played about at that time about forty percent of his games, and I went nah. Right. And uh, you know, so it does bite me sometimes. But like you know, AJ Green has an ADP of uh, sixty-eight overall in ESPN. Uh, that's the middle of the sixth. You know, Will Fuller, who when healthy is a borderline number one receiver, has an ADP of eighty-six. And if you ask people why, they'll say the injuries. But they're willing to ignore it with AJ Green, you know. <laughs> like AJ Green doesn't have yeah. an injury history. It's I just don't get it. Like no, it. The other thing with Green is he's 32 years old. I mean that now that's for a wide receiver. That's not, you know, that's not the old Dan Hill. That's not the big hump. But for a guy with an injury history, you don't heal the same at 32 as you do at 28. Yeah. You know, a, a few of those guys that are going a few rounds later that do have some injury history that have the talent like Fuller, I mean, he's 26 years old. I, I, have a, I have more faith in Fuller that he'll make 10 games than I do in A.J. Green that he'll make eight. Yeah, and, and I, I totally agree. I think that you're going to get, you know, a more consistent production out of Fuller this year than you are out of A.J. Green. It's just... I, <laughs> I don't know. It, I don't understand it. I, I didn't understand it last year when people were drafting him, and there was no sign at all that he was going to be even going to play. Yeah. So, I mean, Tyler Boyd is actually being drafted after A.J. Green, which I think is fucking insane. That just that makes so little sense to me. People are just incensed by A.J. Green. And I know he was a great talent when he played, but, like, can we stop pretending the dude is Calvin Johnson, too? You know, like, he, he is not the most talented wide receiver in history of, of the NFL. Tyler Boyd is still going to play. He's still going to be great. Even if A.J. Green comes back, there is no reason Tyler Boyd should be drafted so late. And with all the concerns around Green, I can't for the life of me figure out why he's being drafted ahead of Boyd. No, I don't either. I, and the thing is, is, like, Boyd's going in the same range as, as Landry and Gallup and, and some of those other guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a really good season last year for what they were. I mean, let's not let's not beat around the bush. The fucking Bengals were trash last year. Yeah. But he still finished as a, as a wide receiver 18 in PPR. He finished as a wide receiver 17 the year before in PPR. I mean, the guy's going to catch 90 balls. Yes, they still have um, a new quarterback coming in. But 
you have a young talent who's established himself as a top 20 wide receiver. He's going to get the, the bulk of the workload. He's going to mesh with the guy. He's not hurt all the time. And, and he's a short to mid-route guy. He's, he can catch the long ball, too. I mean, it, they don't really use the tight end in Cincinnati. So they might this year. But it's mixing. To me, it's mixing and Boyd. Absolutely. AJ can be on the field. They'll throw in the ball. But they didn't add a lot of talent uh, in the draft as far as receivers. They, so, I mean, they, they got to use what they got to use. But you had Erickson last year who was decent. You had John Ross until he got hurt. Um, so there, there's some speed that'll be on the field. But you don't, you don't think there's a role for T. Higgins? Oh, I do think there's a role for T. Higgins, but I don't think he's going to use – I don't think they're going to use him right away. Yeah. The, the kid's going to develop. You know, mid-season, late season, you'll probably see him come on, but he's not somebody I'm I'm probably going to be putting a roster spot unless I have a deep roster or on Dynasty. Yeah. Um, just because I don't expect that he's going to get a whole lot of playing time unless there's a ton of injuries on the offense. Or, you know, with with COVID, who knows? Guys are sitting out. He, he might get more time. But um, where we don't have really that deep of a bench, he's not even on my radar. He'd be a waiver wire pick if I needed the depth. But mm-hmm. Yeah, he's probably somebody that I'll keep my eye on uh, during the season. I don't see any need to draft him. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just curious. So it's just, uh, you know, while we were talking about the – the wide receiver situation. I just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah, no, no, I, I have him in several dynasty leagues on for for taxi squad. Um, just because I think in a year or so that he's probably going to be the number two behind Boyd. Mm-hmm. Um, but for this year, he's in a redraft league. I'm not even looking at him. Uh, so who do you have next, Brian? Uh, so my next player is another one that I think is going a little too late for me. Uh, I don't like to let him fall to his ADP. And, uh, for me, that player is going to be Antonio Gibson, the, uh, the running back for the Washington football team. Uh, he is six foot, 228 pounds, and he ran a four, three, nine, 40 at the combine, which for those of you who don't keep track of those sorts of things, that is insanely fast for his size. Uh, that is like monstrous. Um. Last year, he had 38 receptions for 735 yards and eight touchdowns uh, in his last year at college. And uh, it seems like Ron Rivera is just incensed with the guy. I mean, uh, I have a direct quote here. Uh, Gibson's a little bit bigger than Christian. Yeah, he's talking about Christian McCaffrey. But he's got a skill set like Christian. He's shown some position flexibility playing in the slot. Then he shows position flexibility playing in the backfield. He ran some we uh, ran some wildcat with him behind the center, taking direct snaps. This is a very versatile young football player that we really think is going to be a guy that can get on the field for us early and contribute. They want to use him. They want to use him every way they can. They're talking about giving him wildcats, uh, wildcat snaps. They're talking about flexing him out wide. They're talking about giving him runs. They're talking about catches out of the backfield. This is a very versatile 
very athletic player, and they want to find ways to give him the ball. Now, if they want to give him the ball, then I want to own him. You know, uh, that's all I need to hear. A, a, a big part of uh, fantasy value is just simply opportunity. And it sounds like he is going to get plenty. And Listen to this. This is insane. Uh, so as of right now, both fantasy pros and ESPN have Antonio Gibson ranked 144 overall, the running back 49. That puts him squarely at the end of the 12th round, the last pick of the 12th round. No fucking way. Not if I'm in that draft. I guarantee you he doesn't fall that far because I try not. He's he's another Michael Gallup. I try not to leave any draft without Antonio Gibson, and I will reach a full round for him because I think he's worth it. I want to make sure he leaves that draft on my roster. And I just I can't understand why his ADP is so fucking low. It's like, why won't people draft him? You know, they're willing to use fourth overall on Clyde Edwards Hilaire <laughs> when, you know, you really haven't heard much out of uh, Kansas City. And you could argue that Kansas City has a much better offense than Washington. I know it's a stretch, but just for the sake of argument, let's just pretend that Kansas City's offense is better than Washington's. I mean, Antonio Gibson and Terry McLaurin could be the entire offense for Washington because they blow. So. He's going to have the opportunity. He's athletically gifted. He's fast. He's strong. He's big. And they want to find ways to give him the ball. I don't see why you would wait so long to draft him. Uh, would you take a serious look at Antonio Gibson above his ADP? No. But his ADP has climbed. Um, he's going a lot of times in the eighth round now. So I'm comfortable Take him in seventh or eighth. Uh, he might take with Gibson. I do think by the end of the season he's a, their lead back. The guy has uh, he's big. He can run through the tackles. He can catch the ball. They can use him in multiple roles. I think the reason that he's going so late is because of Adrian Peterson. They signed him. They're keeping him. They're going to use him. You also have Bryce Love, who didn't play last year, uh, that's going to have a role in the offense. I think ultimately the roles that you're going to see are going to be for Gibson and Love. And I think it's going to be probably a 65-35 timeshare where you're going to have Gibson with the majority of the work but I don't think it starts out that way. And you can spend that draft pick in the eighth round. I'm comfortable there. Anything past that is fantastic um, because he's a guy that's going to help you when you get to the playoffs. Because I think that's when you're really going to see his usage go up. Washington is going to play from behind a lot. So they're not going to be running the ball um, most games. They're just they're just not defense is all right. Rivera's gonna it's gonna take him a couple of years. Um Terry McLaurin and, and Sims probably you know, then you're gonna be looking at Gibson. That that is your offense. Who's gonna play quarterback? It's gonna be Haskins. 
Alex Smith's health is healthy. Um, Kyle Allen, Ron Rivera drafted him. I don't think Haskins has much uh, leash because I think if he sucks like he did last year, right to Kyle Allen. Or the guy might let the veteran play and uh, put Alex Smith out there. So I don't even know that you know who the quarterback is going to be if they won yet. I, I think they're going to try Haskins, but there's no guarantees. And I think if, if, you're, if you don't have Haskins out there, I think that hurts Gibson initially. Um, he's still going to get some James White-type work out of the backfield. But I think with uh, if they go with Allen or they go with Smith, I think you're going to see Adrian Peterson out there just because he's a veteran, and you can try and protect the quarterback, especially if it's Alex Smith, because if you're going to put your stock in him, they can't afford for him to go down again. So I don't anticipate it, Smith. I think he's just there now for depth, but I don't think Haskins has much of a leash. So Mm -hmm. I think initially that's going to hurt uh, both of the running backs. But I think eighth round, seventh round, you know, late seventh, eighth round, even if you can get him in the ninth. Uh, I think it's one of those valued picks that uh, you were getting with Miles Sanders last year. And, and that's probably the best comparison that they're going to have for him this year to where he could be next year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't mind. Right where he's at, I don't mind. Uh, where he was last week when uh, guys got dropped. You know, he's slowly moving up. It's it's going to catch up with it. But where he was last week, where he was going in the, in the 11th round, the 12th round in some drafts, yeah, I'd take him in a heartbeat. I had I would have no jumping two, three rounds to grab him. So it'll be interesting to see where he levels out at uh, in the next week or so. Because it's, it's just good stuff coming out of camp from him. Yeah. And that's, that's my worry is that he's going to start climbing. But I, I do think you're wrong on a number of levels. So first off, I don't think Adrian Peterson's a real threat. I don't. I think that uh, the lion's share of the carries in that in that offense are going to go to Bryce Love and Antonio Gibson. Uh, I think Gibson gets the most work in the backfield. I think you'll have a bigger snap share percentage. Maybe not week one, but I think by week four, Antonio Gibson is 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 out snapping every other running back. And um. I just I don't see the quarterback where Antonio Gibson loses. You know, I mean, it's Alex Smith. Captain Checkdown himself is gonna not throw the ball to Antonio Gibson. Oh no, he'll definitely check down. He's definitely gonna check down. Um, Gibson's gonna start out, I think, with the third down work. Fucking Kyle Allen, who just had a thousand thousand season for Christian McCaffrey because he he was like the the only person he threw to. Mm-hmm. No, no, I uh, and I agree with that. I agree with that. In both cases, I just don't think it happens till you know part ways through the season. I, I could be wrong, and I hope I am because I like Gibson. Yeah. Um. But I mean, you have week one, you have Philadelphia. Week two, you have Dallas. Week three, you have Chicago. Those are three good defense. I, I hate Dallas, but they do have a pretty decent defense. And the first two games are division games, so I really. I hope he makes an impact. I do, but I don't think you see a reasonable impact until week six when they play Miami. Then you got week seven, you got San Fran. Week eight, you got Minnesota. Week nine, you got Buffalo. So the first 10 games of the season, 
Miami and the, and the Giants are your two easy games. And they're not even that because the Giants have really done a number with their defense to, on paper, make here. And New England, who knows? Belichick, he could pull something together. He could not. Um, I would anticipate that he probably will. So after the bye, week 11, you got the Jets, you got Detroit, you got Carolina, you got Green Bay, and then playoffs, you got Philadelphia and the Giants. So you're after the bye, you have a much better schedule. I think that's really where Gibson's going to be able to put numbers up. Um, I'm not going to say he struggles early. I'm just going to say the opportunities, there'll be some opportunities there. I think he can take advantage of them. I just don't, I don't see, you know, 20 point weeks out of him yet. Uh, you know, maybe six to eight point week, weeks, maybe he gets in the end zone. I do think he's going to get a lot of the goal line work because he's a bigger guy. Um, because Bryce Love's only like five nine, two hundred. So yeah, he's a smaller, quick back. Yeah, so I definitely think Gibson gets the goal line work to start. And uh, I, I, you'll probably see him and Peterson start out in a fifty-fifty share. I think, it, you know, maybe mid-season they rest Peterson a bit, but uh, I, it's just going to depend on on what Gibson does uh, with the opportunities he gets. Uh, like I said. I'm comfortable with them in the eighth round. Uh, Peterson usually is going in the ninth or tenth right now. Um, earlier, you know, before uh, Geis was let go, Peterson wasn't even drafted. So, yeah, there's been a huge dynamic change there. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it actually develops. I think Peterson, just because he's a veteran, is, is going to get at least get the start for the first couple of weeks. But Rivera's not going to screw around. He's made that clear. He's there to win. Um, so if Peterson's not cutting it, he won't be starting very long. So it, it really is Gibson's job to take. And all he has to do is produce. And I don't even think he has to produce a lot, but I think he has the ability to do it. I think he has the ability at some point to be, you know, to be able to compete on a McCaffrey type level if they use him that way. See, I just, uh, I mean, I, I think where the general disagreement is coming from is. That I think they're going to use Adrian Peterson a lot less than you think they are. I thought I thought that last year. Uh, Adrian Peterson's thirty five years old, and you know last year they were just as desperate at running back because who would have guessed that Darius Geis got hurt, and he still didn't get a big workload. He had two, he had just over two hundred carries, and the year before that he had two over two hundred and fifty. So even they were dialing back his workload when they needed somebody to fill the position. Now they have this young, hot stud that they're looking for ways to feed the ball. And you're you're basically saying that you think that Adrian Peterson is going to steal those touches. I don't see it that way. I feel like Adrian Peterson is there to mentor, to help develop, and to be a depth piece. And occasionally come in and carry the ball. But I, I think his workload is going way down. That's I mean, obviously that's my opinion. We'll see. I, but I I look more at Peterson's snap percentage more than more than more than his uh rushing he averaged roughly 40 like 42 percent snap share last year the game he had 60 percent or more he had 20 touches and most of those games you know 80 to 100 yards 
He's got the, he can still break off the long touchdown. I, I do think he's at a mentor, but I still think you're going to see 40 to 45% of that snap share. That That's more what concerns me than anything is you have three running backs that are going to be competing for snap shares and they're going to use all three. You also have Peyton Barber there and we're not talking about him, but he does take receiving work. And that's fine. I mean, he's so bad at it. Let him, let him go out there and prove how bad he is. That's fine. No, no, but it, it's, it's all, it'll all iron itself out within a few, you know, a few games after the season starts, but it still takes away time that Gibson's on the field. And that's, as a rookie, what he needs to be able to put those numbers up. That's my only concern with him early in the season. By the end of the season, I have absolutely concern with the fact that he's the number one running back in Washington. Well, I just, you know, like you said, uh, Adrian Peterson, I just looked it up, and he averaged 48.5% of the snaps last year. With nobody on the fucking roster, 48.5%. So, I mean, they didn't want to use him. They didn't want to give him the ball. They thought he was old. They didn't want to give him the work. Look at what Peterson's usage was last year when Jay Gruden was there and after Jay Gruden left. That makes a difference, too. You know what I mean? It, it, there's, there's a lot of things with, with Peterson. Do I think he's the savior? No. They, they spent money on him to keep him on the roster. He's going to be a piece that is there to mentor. Going to give him some touches. Going to get some yards. I, I just think he's going to be the guy early on. And the, the work's going to get turned over, but he's going to take snap percentage away from Gibson. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah, I just, I, I find, it, I just disagree. That's all. Uh, that's we're allowed to disagree. That's why we're talking about it. So I gave my perspective. You gave yours, and the I listeners bet. can decide for themselves. <laughs> oh, do you want? Oh shit, you want to be about it? Forty-nine point seven percent of the snaps. He's going to have six touchdowns. Oh. Never mind. That was like 10 years ago. <laughs> all right. How about this? All right. I, I'm dead serious. I'll do this right now. Okay. I am willing to bet you a beer that Adrian Peterson has less than 30% of the snaps weeks one through six. I'll take that bet. We got a beer bet. There it is. That's how it's done. That's how I get beers right there. Yep. So. That is uh, our entire thought on Antonio Gibson. I think we played both sides pretty well. So why don't you give us your your next player? So my next player is also (laughs) another shit show of a committee. Um, The Rams, who's the running back. They drafted Cam Akers. Great. Last year they drafted Daryl Henderson. We did the same song and dance. I don't know who to draft. I don't know which guy is going to start. I don't know which guy's got more talent because we didn't get to see a lot out of Henderson last year. He he did make, you know, some use of of uh, the opportunities he got. He didn't get a lot of opportunity. He had 40 attempts, uh, 147 yards, no touchdowns. Got a little bit of receiving work. They just didn't use him. Yeah, they didn't use him at all. But going into last year, Oh, Daryl Henderson, he's going to take all the work. He's going to be the guy. Girl, sucks. Yeah, no. Didn't happen. Mm-hmm. The guy's talented. Talent is there. Absolutely, 100%. I see the same thing happening with Cam Akers. You don't know who the number one back's going to be. Malcolm Brown's still there. They paid money to keep him there from him going to Detroit. Obviously, they're going to use him. They have Henderson. They draft him. They want to use him. Acres, they drafted him. They want to use him. But do you spend 
a sixth round pick, a seventh round pick, and a guy you don't even know if he's going to start. Yeah. You, you spend a seventh round pick on Cam Akers, Malcolm Brown's going undrafted. What if he starts again? So it, it's that whole backfield until there's some clarity um, it is really the, the same thing that you have going on in Washington, other than the fact that in Washington you have a clearly defined talent. Yeah. So that that's I, I just I don't know who you know, who who do I draft if I want to go after a Rams running back. I'm probably just going to wait and pick up Malcolm Brown in the 15th round and hope he gets some of the touches. Or I'm going to just avoid the whole thing and draft carry on Johnson. At least I know if he's healthy, he's going to get some some work. Yeah. I, I you know, I I I'm I really don't know. That's that's another one that that I'm scratching my head because why are you drafting a guy you don't even know if he's going to start? Yeah. It's the same scenario again that we went through last year with Henderson, and we wasted. I draft picks on Henderson, fifth round, sixth round, seventh round. Those are your flex players. Yeah, you're you're getting your your first buyer player in that in that area, or you're you're drafting a tight end, or you're grabbing a quarterback. Why are you spending a pick on a guy that might play, or might not? You know. The, the few games that Henderson was out on the field last year, uh, what, the most points he scored was eight in PPR. Yeah. He had uh, 11 rushes for 50 yards that game, three, uh, two catches for 20. I mean, other than that, you didn't even see him on the field for the first five weeks. It just it doesn't uh, – McVay's offense is, is similar to – Belichick, you don't know who to play this week to next week to the week after. So, you know, why are you spending good draft capital on a player that might be Rex Burkhead? Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't mind Cam Akers. Uh, he goes a little too high for me, like you said. But, you know, I, I think that they pretty much looked at Daryl Henderson. They, I think they drafted Daryl Henderson to, in intending to play him. And then I, I just think it didn't take them very long to realize that he wasn't as good as they thought. And, uh, you know, they took him at the top of the third round uh, in the NFL draft. And I think they got him into camp and went, this ain't the guy. And they went back to the board. They drafted Cam Akers. And I think they're hoping to to use him the same, to use him the way they wanted to use Henderson. So I'm I'm expecting Cam Akers to be the lead dog in that backfield. But I'm not willing to bet my sixth round pick on it. (laughs) Like you said, you know, you just don't fucking know, you know? Right. Yeah, that's – I'm willing to take a chance on the guy, but it, I'll take a chance on the guy in a tent. I'll take the chance Henderson's going to gonna split time in the 10th round. I'll take a chance that Akers is going to be the starting running back by the end of the season in the ninth round, not the sixth. Yeah. If I'm in the sixth round, I'm going to take Dobbins. I'm going to take James White. Uh, you know, I'll take Madison just because I know that if – Cook gets hurt. Madison's got a role. They used him last year in addition to Cook. So at least the guy's going to put some production up. You know, Philip Lindsay's going around the same. At least you know that those guys are going to have work. If I had to choose in the sixth round and I had to choose between Akers and Gibson, I would take Gibson 100 times out of 100. Yeah, easily. Three rounds sooner than I would ever draft him to begin with. But I know the production will be there. I know who the guy is going to be in Washington. I don't know that in LA. The other thing is, 
you still have guys like like Freeman that aren't signed. Maybe they sign him. Maybe they want a, a veteran presence. You know, maybe they don't see what they're looking for in camp by these two younger guys, and uh, they they don't think Malcolm Brown can carry the load. Maybe they hire Freeman. Yeah. Maybe they grab somebody else. I mean, there, there's still some decent free agent names out there. They might take them instead. Yeah, I can see that for sure. So who do you, who else do you have for uh, drafted too high, Brian? So my last player tonight, uh, this is not going to be a popular take. I can tell you that right now. But I give my honest opinion, and this is my honest opinion, right, wrong, or indifferent. I don't like Devontae Adams going as high as he does. I don't like it. Right now, Devontae Adams is the consensus wide receiver, too. He's going in the first round of eight overall. I think that's a mistake. Adams is an incredible talent, but the Packers have given every indication that they're not committed to the passing game. I have Adams ranked at wide receiver five, and I wouldn't draft him until the second round simply because I'd rather have the players that are going around him. I've come to terms with the fact I won't own Adams in any league because he'll never fall far enough. In the draft, the Packers had the chance to add depth to their wide receiver core or to add a decent tight end. And instead, they drafted a QB prospect in the first round. They drafted another running back in the second round. They shored up an already great offensive line. And they're on the rise defense. LaFleur wants to run the ball, plain and simple. And he now has a two-headed beast with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. And I think he plans to use them. I just don't, I don't see the path to Devontae Adams finishing wide receiver two. Uh, I'd rather have Julio. I'd rather have Tyreek Hill. I just, you know, I I look at the players going around him and I, I can never hit the button, you know? And I just, I always let Devontae Adams slide. I mean, am I crazy? No, I don't think so. Um, I think last year, Adams going in the in the first round as as the th- number three number four wide receiver was warranted. And like you say, <clears throat> they're going to be running the ball. They're going. They've they've drafted that way. Um, they let Geronimo Allison go, which he wasn't that good anyways. Um, you still have MBS on the roster. It's not that good. Lazard. They really didn't grab another big name wide receiver talent in the draft. They didn't really sign anybody. Free agency, you still have Sternberger, but I I see Adams as a late second round pick this year. Um I, if I have the choice, I'm taking Adams after um Galladay, Adams, Beckham even DJ Moore, uh, with the uncertainty there, uh, uh, for me with uh, Teddy Bridgewater coming in, I'm taking Adams after them, which might even put him into the third round. So, yeah, going in the in the first, I, I'm not going to have him. If I don't already own him somewhere, I'm not going to have him. Yeah. Holy fuck! I thought I was bold. <laughs> no, uh, no, I mean, here's the thing, right? So the first round, you have, you got Barkley, McCaffrey, Cook, Zeke, Kamara, and Henry. And then you're also probably going to lose Michael Thomas, 
potentially Hopkins, um, and then depending and, and Julio, and then depending on you know how your league's set up, how, what people think of of players. I've got Sanders, Jacobs, Mixon, Drake, Eckler. A lot of times you'll see Mahomes and Lamar go off the board here in the second round. Um, you're going to lose Kelsey and Kittle. And then you get down to like Aaron Jones, Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, and, and Odell. I'm going to take all those players before I take Devontae Adams. I mean, yes, Aaron Rodgers is still throwing in the ball, but Aaron Rodgers is not a number one or number two quarterback in fantasy anymore. He's not meshing well with that system. They drafted his replacement. They made sure he knows it. <laughs> I, I I don't know that uh, I, I don't know that a first round pick on Devontae Adams at, at this point this year is really a wise decision to to use when there's just much better numbers there. Yeah, uh, the talents there. Don't get me wrong; he is one of the top five talents of wide receivers in. Uh, hands down. Um, if we return to some form, if Lafleur gives him the reins to run the offense like he had with McCarthy, sure, we both could be wrong. It, I just don't see it. I mean, last year I think he finishes like the wide receiver twenty or something like that. Um, PPR, yeah, twenty three in PPR. I mean, granted, now he missed a couple of games, but one hundred twenty seven targets, eighty three receptions, less than a thousand yards, mm-hmm. only five touchdowns. Only five touchdowns. The last three years before that, 13, 10, and 12. Yeah, he was supposed to be the touchdown monster because he was the only target on the team. And now we're hearing it again this year. Well, that tells me one of two things. So either they didn't throw a lot of touchdowns or he didn't catch them. Well, we, we, know, who, we know who got the touchdowns. Oh, yeah. Rodgers only had 26 touchdowns last year, though. Yeah, all all the touchdowns went to Aaron Jones. <laughs> they did. They were all dump downs, which is the offense that they're running. Because I think Jones had between the two between receiving and rushing touchdowns, he had sixteen rushing and he only had three receiving. So there was that's eight out of twenty six. Where'd the rest of them go? They didn't go to Adams. They, you had Lazard had a couple, MVS had a couple, Geronimo Allison had a couple. I think Sternberger had two or three. It they're spreading the ball around. They're using the running game. So out of the twenty-six between Jones and, and, and Adams, not even half. If if Adams can't get the touchdowns, he you know he's going to get a thousand yards probably. But that doesn't make him a top five receiver. And I mean, let's be honest, just from a volume standpoint, you if if Aaron Rodgers is going to throw less than 30 touchdowns, you probably don't want to take, even if he is his number one receiver, you probably don't want him in the first round if, if, the, if the passing game is going to be that inefficient. Correct. Absolutely 100% correct. Um, Alan Lazard is going in the 12th round. 
It's not bad. Somehow he's a two wide receiver on the Packers now. Um, he had almost 500 yards last year and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. So there, there's your number two, 11 rounds later. I mean, you can you can take Devontae Adams first round, but you can wait and not draft any Packers wide receivers <laughs> to, <laughs> and take Aaron Jones in the end of the second or the third and get more production. Oh, Jones I'm fading too, actually. Yeah, no, no, I am too. I'll, I'll take him in the third. If I, if, if I could pick him up sometime early in the third, I'll take him there. Yeah, if I can get him in the third, back, I'll take him. Depending but... on who I have. I'm not taking him in the second. He's going early second or mid mid second. Yeah, but I've seen him float. It depends on the draft. Um, you know, if I can pick him instead of James Conner or Chris Carson or, or Le'Veon Bell, I'll take him. Um, mm-hmm. I actually might take. I'll take him before Gurley. I won't take him before Taylor. Um, I'll take him before David Johnson. You, you're looking at. I, I'm probably not going to own any Packers. If I don't own them someplace already. Yeah, that that's where I'm at, you know. You know, there's just there's just better talent for the position. Yeah. Um, that you spend in the draft. That's all. And I mean, you know, like Aaron Jones is the only one that I'm even interested in. And, you know, he's going uh an ESPN right now. He's he's the seventeenth overall pick. He's the middle of the second round. I'm not going that fucking high when they use a second round pick on AJ Dillon. And all they can talk about are his fucking legs. And they love his size and speed and all this crap. And that's all you're hearing out of camp. Like, I'm not drafting Aaron Jones in the second round. He might be in a 50-50 split. I'll take him in the second if I got, like, you know, if I'm drafting in the number five, number six, number seven spot, somewhere right in the middle, and he falls to me. But I got somebody like Kamara that fell to me or or Dalvin Cook fell to me. um, And Michael Thomas. Well, Thomas will be gone, but but Hopkins or Godwin aren't there. I'll take him. I'll take the shot. But uh, you know, I'd rather have him in the, in the early in the third because I'd rather take uh, the wide receiver talent that you can get in the middle of the second and take that second running back coming back around in the third. Exactly, and uh, you know, it's I mean, you know, I'm not passing on Chris Godwin to take Aaron Jones. You know, God no. Oh no. I mean, right now, no, Aaron Jones I, is seventeen overall, and Chris Godwin's twenty. Um, I I would have to think about taking Jones if Chubb was still there, but I think I'd take Jones. Oh, I would take Chubb all day and night. Not a fucking chance. Yeah. See, I, I wouldn't, but that's. I I think the split will end up being more in Cleveland with Hunt, but, um, but they're close. You know what I mean. Those two guys, that position where you potentially could get him is close. Yeah. Well, I think I think Chubb's going to find himself in a split. I just think he's vastly more talented than Aaron Jones. I mean, Aaron Jones is not a bad running back by any means, but Nick Chubb is is one of the best I've ever watched. He is, but so is, so is Kareem Hunt. Well, I mean, Kareem Hunt's good, but he's not he's not Nick Chubb, in my opinion. But he's good enough to take. A, a reasonable amount of that workload. Oh yeah, no, no. no. Like I said, there, there's definitely going to be a split. Like I don't think Nick Chubb has that backfield all to himself. But I'm saying if no. Nick Chubb's in a split and Aaron Jones is in a split, I'll just take the more talented running back. Period. Flat out, 
and I'll take Nick Chubb. I think what will hurt Joe, uh, Jones is he had 16 rushing touchdowns last year. I think Dylan takes six to eight of those. And that, that hurts. That puts him back out of the, the top five running backs back down into the mid teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that that's something to be concerned about with Jones. Um, I mean, Chubb had a ton of yards, almost 100 yards, but only eight touchdowns. The receiving work's not really there for him, but he's getting 50 targets, which you can't complain about for a running back, uh, but no receiving touchdowns. So there's a little bit more of a split there, but I think you, you'll see more of the receiving work go to Hunt. Um, I think he gets more attempts to rush. I think you get him closer to three to 400 yards and less, you know, Chubb's still going to stick around a thousand, which is still not terrible, but it brings down. Yeah. It lowers the ceiling. So I think end of season, you're still looking at Chubb and Jones pretty close, even with um, the impending market share that they're going to lose. But either, either one, it's a, it, it's a tough choice for me. And it really is going to come up to, to roster makeup or, uh, bye weeks really between those two but i mean that's kind of the range where i see him going is, is right around where where chubb would go and i think Devonte adams should go after both i mean that's that's mm. just my opinion but yeah i uh i didn't have Devonte adams drop quite that far but i can uh i can definitely see the logic like i said i i, I laid the case out so uh steve who's your next player all right, so my next player is, uh, I think, is being drafted way too low. Um, I think he was being drafted way too low last year. Uh, he does not get the level of respect that he should, and that is Emmanuel Sanders. Thank you. Manny, Manny Sanders, since 2013, has been a top wide receiver. Other than 2017, when Denver completed more passes to the other team than they did to their own whiteouts. <laughs> um, and he also missed four games that year. And he still finished as a wide receiver 60. Manny's a top 30 wide receiver. Most years he's going to finish in the top 25. Mm-hmm. You're good for 60 to 80 receptions. And you're going to get a, about a half dozen touchdowns. So why... Is Manny Sanders being drafted in the tenth round? He's a wide receiver too. He just went to New Orleans, where Michael Thomas last year had a career year, 185 targets. Where are those mm-hmm. targets going to go? There's nobody else on the team that Drew Brees feels comfortable throwing the ball to. That was evident. They have rookies. They have young talent. Alvin, Michael Thomas, and they went out and grabbed Manny because. He is a talented receiver. Yep. So why why is Manny Sanders be drafted as like a wide receiver five? You know, he, he's an afterthought to fill your bench where he should be being considered as a flex play. I mean, his numbers are comparable with like Edelman's or, or where Boyd's going or uh, he should be way ahead of Will Fuller um, right in the in the same conversation as Galloper Landry. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, he's 33, but we're not talking about building a team for dynasty. 
this is just redraft. You're going to use them this year, and then next year reevaluate. But Manny Sanders is a top 30 wide receiver. Why why is he not going until like 120, 130? The same. I mean, the same thing. The same argument can be made. Um, I think he's wide receiver 41 on uh, fantasy pros for the ESPN rankings, somewhere right around there. It 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 it's absolutely absurd. Drew Brees is throwing him the ball. Out of the 180 targets that Michael Thomas had last year, he's probably going to lose, say, 30 of them, come back down to earth at 150, which is still respectable, still going to make him the number one wide receiver. Manny Sanders is going to get those 30 targets on top of the, the 80 or 90 that he typically gets anyways. So that's going to put him over 100 targets. 100 targets, say 80 receptions, I mean, that's that's wide receiver two. Yeah. He, he should not be in the ninth or tenth round. They proved last year that they do not have a second receiver that, that they can rely on. If uh, Cook, as a tight end, he's going to get a respectable share. Kamara's workload with Sanders there now, I believe, will come back to where it was. He is the clear number two. They draft, uh, they, they sign him specifically for that purpose to take some of the workload off of Michael Thomas. And I just, I, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, you know, nobody has to talk me in to Emmanuel Sanders. Everybody that listens to this podcast knows just how much I love Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you know, it, it's like, and I, I listen to these other experts, uh, you know, other podcasts and, and people on TV, you know, oh, well, you know, I, don't, I just don't see where this volume's coming from because... You know, Michael Thomas is going to get his. Yeah, Michael Thomas is going to get his. Last year, he had 186 targets, 149 receptions. Do you think that's what they want? You think they want to use him that much? No, they did it because they had to. There was nobody else. Kamara was hurt, and he wasn't getting the targets he should have got. And they asked Michael Thomas to pick up the slack, and he did, and he did very well. But... That's not what they want. They just spent a lot of money on Michael Thomas. They want him to be good for the next 10 years. They don't want to use him up in the next three, you know? Now, 150 receptions is is really where you're looking at the top for your number one receiver. I mean, at targets, not reception. Targets. Yeah. Um, that's how many he had, though. At 100. <laughs> no, I, I know that. And that's yeah. that's the other thing. Like, Michael Thomas... Caught 150 passes. He dropped 35 passes all year last year. Yeah. 35. I mean, the the production is fantastic. The year before that, 147 targets. The year before that, 149. 150 is where they want to keep him. Yeah. So you, you go out and you grab a guy who has the ability to catch 100, 100 balls or have 100 targets. And catch eighty to hundred balls, and and that's what you have in Sanders, so that you don't have to overwork the guy that you're putting your franchise on. And like I said, it, it will help Kamara because it takes the pressure off of Kamara being the number two guy. You know, you've got Sanders that can still run down the field, so now you have Kamara there um, for the underneath stuff. You're still going to have Kamara with 
with 150 to, to 200 rushing attempts. Uh, but he's still going to get his 90 or so targets, 100 targets, because the, the 30 or 40 that Sanders is going to pick up are coming from Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to affect Michael Thomas in the least bit. It's going to help him. Yeah. He's gonna he, he's gonna last a lot longer. I mean, I know you love Manny. I, I like me some Manny as well because he's a very consistent fantasy player. So, yeah, and you know, like I said, what really gets me is these people that you know. Oh well, you know where are these targets coming from? Oh, they don't target their number two. Oh, they don't. Th- they don't that. Like, who the fuck were they going to target last year? Traquan Smith, Ted Ginn. Like, they went out and got Emmanuel Sanders because they want to ease the burden on Michael Thomas. They want him to continue to be the most efficient wide receiver in the history of the league, which he is. And they want to decrease his workload. 149 receptions means he probably had about 140 tackles. They don't want that. They want to decrease his workload. They want somebody else to take some of these hits. They want somebody else to take Mm -hmm. some of this wear and tear. Emmanuel Sanders is by far the best number two this offense has had since Brandon Cooks. You could argue which one's better. I would argue Emmanuel Sanders is better than Brandon Cooks, but to each their own. But, uh, you know, it's been a long time since they had a legit number two. It's pretty much just been garbage and Michael Thomas for a long time. And I think that's what they're looking to change. So I I couldn't agree with you more. I think I think it's a great take. Just point of reference, Ted Ginn last year had only had 50 targets. Uh, yeah. Traquan Smith last year had 25 targets. They're not doing it. Yeah. Obviously, Drew Brees has no faith at all in what was around him. I mean, Traquan Smith had 70, roughly 70% snap percent in the games that he played. I mean, he missed five games. He just, he was a second year rookie last year, mm-hmm. but Ted Ginn, 35 years old. He's been with the saints forever. Three, what, three years he was there. He's best. He's never been great, but he's been some reliable target down a downfield guy, you know, 70, 80 targets, 56. And 30 receptions for 400 yards. I mean, that's not taking the burden off of any of your stars. And and that's what the guy's supposed to be doing. So, yeah, I think the guy's there now. I, I think you're going to have the opportunity to have two top 20, five, you know, probably top 20. Realistically, Manny could, could finish there. Michael Thomas, you know, is going to be top five. He's, he's probably going to be the number one receiver again at the end of the season which it's great. And, and Kamara's going to be back to where he should be. Yeah. And, and even, you know, it even helps Latavius Murray uh, because he's going to get more opportunities. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, they, they drafted some, uh, the rookie that they drafted um, looks like at, at some point he'll be able to do some, uh, some work out of the backfield as well. Yeah. Um, you know, barring some type of injury, but I think he'll take a little bit, but he's also a receiving back. So uh, I think 
all of that's going to help. But I think Manny is definitely going to be able to get 100, 100 targets without any trouble this year. And, you know, it, it's, I mean, like I said, it's a lot of people just leaning on past practice. You know, they, oh, well, you know, they've never done this. They've never done that. Well, Frank Peterson's never had a workhorse back, but he's going to have one this year because he has a back mm-hmm. that's talented enough to do it, period. And, you know, Drew Brees has never really thrown consistently to a number two, but he's never had a number two as talented as Emmanuel Sanders. So I think he's going to be tough to ignore, especially when Emmanuel Sanders is going to be getting the worst coverage on the field because you, you can't just ignore Michael Thomas, obviously like let's, let's not pretend Emmanuel Sanders is that good. You know, Michael Thomas is going to get double teamed every fucking play. And Emmanuel Sanders is going to be the one getting one-on-one. I think, I think people are sleeping on him. Like you said. So here's, here's a crazy stat. Last year, Drew Brees finished at uh, the, the number one, the number 21 quarterback. He's not finished outside of the top 10 in his entire career until last year. And he had less than 3000 yards. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's going to increase. They're going to use him. And it's going to be Manny that, that takes the bulk of it. So, so, I mean, uh, obviously that wraps up our, uh, ADP, uh, adjustments. And, uh, I would just like us each to give one late round value, a guy that we target real late in the draft. That uh, we grab if he's there. We're not willing to reach for him, but we'll take him. And uh, a guy that I keep my eye out for, and I, I try to snag him right at his ADP, is Anthony Miller. And uh, Anthony Miller it, right now is going as wide receiver 55. He's going 175 overall, which uh, puts him right smack dab in the middle of the 15th round, which is perfect for me. Uh, I've seen him go much earlier in mocks, but that's his ESPN ADP right now. Uh, He's coming into his third year in the league, and I'm expecting better production out of Miller. You know, third-year wide receivers typically have that breakout. Uh, Now, I wouldn't call this a breakout season, okay? I don't think the kid is a stud. But I think you're going to get a nice, safe floor and some decent upside. Uh, He should be getting the best QB play of his career from either a motivated Mitch Trubisky or from Nick Foles. And we already saw him improve greatly last year. He had 35 of his 52 receptions coming after week 11 last year. In those games, he averaged 14.8 fantasy points per game. And now with the departure of Taylor Gabriel, he could see a bump in his targets as well. Uh, Is this somebody that you keep your eye on for that nice, safe floor? Or do you just kind of pass by Anthony Miller because the QB play concerns you, which I would not blame you? I pass by Anthony Miller because the QB play concerns me. However, where he's going, there's certain people um, that if they're there, I will take them instead. But there's not very many of those. Uh, Christian Kirk, um, you can pick up uh, Darius Slayton. Sometimes Crowder's in that range. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the talent is there. I need to see better quarterback play from Mitch. I don't really think that Foles is any better than than what they already have. I I think there's a reason that Jacksonville let him go to Gardner Minshew. 
I mean, Foles flat out lost his job last year to a guy who's slightly better than Blake Bortles. <laughs> I mean, oh, I, I think you're doing. I think you're doing the mustache a misservice. I, I, I think the mustache will develop into a much better player than Bortles. Um, but I, I think that with the talent they had last year with wide receivers, that Foles should have done better. I think the talent that Chicago had with Mitch. They should have done better. Anthony Miller is one of those guys that has had high expectations since Chicago drafted him. He was up to 85 targets last year. I think he can make the leap. If I have to pick him over like Lazard or Sammy Watkins, Sterling Shepard, that that area, mm-hmm. in, you know, if he drops into the 11th round, 12th round I'll take him in a heartbeat where he's going for me in the 10th mm, I don't know it depends on my team makeup if I can take the chance I will yeah um but but if I need depth at another position I'll pass him by so you find yourself preferring the upside of Christian Kirk and Darius Slayton to what I perceive as Anthony Miller's floor yes okay that's fair enough and it's it's just simply because of quarterback play, and that that's a hundred percent what it comes down to. Okay, um, so who's your late round guy? Who's the guy that you, uh, you're keeping your eye out for? My guy is Dan Harris. Everywhere I can have Harris, um, which is usually the late eleven, twelve, thirteen, I'm grabbing him. Gross. He's going to move up. Sony Michelle is. Hurt again. Surprise, surprise. Um, they drafted Harris. They're going to use him. They keep sending running backs. But where he's going, you can't you can't go wrong with taking the shot there. Um, another guy, boat, is Boston Scott with uh, backing up Sanders. Oh, fuck yeah. No, I love Boston Scott. Um, you know, you could grab him late just in case. It's it's a good insurance policy. Both talented running backs, and it's a position where a lot of times the, the number two back on a team, you still get production out of him in fantasy. So, I mean, James White is clearly the the number one fantasy running back on the Patriots. So I don't see Sony Michelle staying healthy all year again. Um, they did just pick up uh, Lamar Miller. Lamar Miller, but he's two years off of a, a torn ACL. I'm not that worried about him. I think he's more just a depth piece to get through training camp. So let me interrupt and ask you this, right? So Damian Harris was on the team last year after being drafted in mm-hmm. the third round. Uh, I believe he had a total of four carries last year. Correct. Yes. Sony Michelle absolutely blew, was not good at all. And Damian Harris never saw the field. Why are you assuming that this year is any different? Because it's Bill Belichick. No, no, I know. I know. No, 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 no. I look at Damian. Do not draft. I will not. I will never draft Damian Harris ever. Okay. That's okay. I see. I see Sony Michelle. I see James White. I see Rex Burkhead. I see Lamar Miller. And I don't see Damian Harris getting on the field. I, I, I could not disagree with this anymore. 
Right now, he's going uh, in ESPN 208 overall, which is undrafted, and that's exactly where I think you should be. <laughs> I mean, and that's fine, because um, then he'll be there for me to grab. It, it It's all situational at this point anyways, because it depends on who's there for me. It, there's not anybody in those late rounds that I'm absolutely going to reach five or six rounds to grab, because it's, there's a reason that they're in those positions. Preston Williams or, or John Brown usually go towards the end of a draft and they both can be productive. Mike Williams, same thing. But if, if I'm going to take a chance on a guy on a position that I potentially could see where I need help in the playoffs, it's going to be running back. And, and there's only a couple that you're going to have a chance at at that point in the draft and he's that one guy. I'm not going to take LeSean McCoy. I'm not going to take Lamar Miller. If if Bryce loves there, maybe. Uh, but I expect him to move up. And, and the only other one really that's there is Justin Jackson. And he proved last year in a tie with Eckler that he, unless Eckler's completely off the field, Jackson's not going to be relevant. So I'm not even going to take that guy. So I'll take the chance on on Damian Harris. Brandon Bolden's not playing. Um, he got a, bun- a bunch of the work last year because Bill Belichick loves him. Burkhead didn't do that well last year. I, I don't see Lamar Miller taking the lion's share. I, I think it's going to be between Sony, who won't be on the field much, and Harris. Well, I mean, but that's kind of my overall point, though, is that the, the run game was not good. Uh, nobody really did all that great. Rex Burkhead probably being the best among them. Uh, mm-hmm. But none of them played well, and nobody ever looked at Damian Harris and said, hey, let's give him a try. Nope, they did not. I don't see that changing. I, I don't know. That's too scary for me. It's too scary. I don't like it. There's too many other guys I like late to take Damian Harris. We'll see in February. We will. February. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think that's going to wrap up uh, all the players we had laid out for tonight. Uh, Steve, do you have any parting thoughts? No, I don't. Just ready for football to start. Um, not having preseason really hurts with uh, being able to analyze players and being able to uh, really figure out who you want to draft, what they're going to do for your team. I'm excited for next weekend. Fuck yeah, man. Can't wait to hit it hard. So uh, I just want to thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, as always, I'm going to ask you guys to let us know what you think of the episode. Let let us know what you think of our players, if we're right, if we're wrong. If there's somebody you want to add, uh, a question you want to ask, you can call us at 508-343-8010. Leave a voicemail. It's not going to ring. It's going to go straight to voicemail take about two seconds and uh, we have the email at dddfantasyfootball at gmail.com you can hit us up anytime and uh, thank you guys again for listening we really appreciate you tuning in and uh, thank you Steve again for joining us and I hope you all have a good night